In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today, I chose to move our readings from a typical Epiphany Sunday to pick up the readings and the celebration of someone you might not be familiar with, Absalom Jones. We are celebrating Absalom Jones today, and I'm grateful I get to introduce him to you, for he is incredibly important to us and our history. Absalom Jones, born enslaved to the Wincoop family in 1746 in Delaware. Now this was an Anglican family. And I'm going to ask us to take a moment right now and remember, we were the colonial church coming in with England with not only all of our, all of our power in the colonies, but with enslaved Africans. That institution of slavery is our financial background. It is part of how we were the established church in this country for a long time. And it is the setting for the story of Absalom Jones. He worked in the fields on that plantation with his mother and sister and five brothers. And as a young, young boy was seen to have tremendous, uh, tremendous intellectual acumen and was very personable and was essentially brought in from the fields to work in the house of his master. Because of that, he had the opportunity to start learning to read, something that was not the, the case for so many enslaved people. He would occasionally get a coin or a, some sort of a tip from people in the house, and he would save those to buy a spelling book, a primer, a New Testament, a Bible. Now, finally, when he was 16, the plantation was sold by the Wincoops, along with his mother and sister and five brothers. And so he was, from that point, separated from his family. He was taken, along with the rest of the house servants, to Pennsylvania, to Philadelphia, where his master was to own a shop and he worked in that shop while he was there. He was able at that time to go to an evening school that was put on by the Society of Friends, the Quakers in, Pencil in, in Philadelphia, that was specifically for the training and education of enslaved and newly freed black people in this country. Through that, he met a young woman who would become his wife both still enslaved, he worked and worked and worked and saved everything he could, and he got help from the Society of Friends to purchase the freedom of his wife. He also worked on Wincoop 
to see if he could be granted his freedom. It took him a long time. But eventually, he was granted his manumission, as it's called, his freedom from the Wincoop family. All during this time, he was able to build a small house for he and his wife to begin their family. And all this time, he would go every Sunday with the family who literally owned him to church. Again, just take a moment to let that sink in. It's a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to understand. But this is our history. During that time, the beginnings of the revolution, the throwing off of colonial powers was happening, especially right there in Philadelphia. And so I can only imagine, in Absalom Jones's mind, I think there are two strains of hope that probably kept him going. Number one, that his master might one day actually open and read the Bible that he knew and see the horrors of the institution of slavery and reject it. I think he also saw the amazing uprisings around him, the talks of revolution, the talks of throwing off the tyranny of England and thought, ah, maybe this is the chance for a new country being built to throw off the institution of slavery. Along the way, he made good friends with a man by the name of Richard Allen, and they worshiped together, actually, at St. George's Church in Philadelphia, along with the families who own them. They, Jones had become a preacher in the black community, and he had been lifted up by the Society of Free Africans within Philadelphia. Now, Richard was much more Methodist than Episcopalian. Absalom was much more Episcopalian than Methodist, right? But they were good friends and they worshiped together. Not long after, this, after the, the Revolutionary War ended, they came to church one day and, oh, and forgive me, I forgot to say, the community of enslaved people in that congregation built an additional space to house the many people in the church. They built a balcony. One day, Absalom and Richard came into church and were told that they could no longer sit where they always had sat on the floor with everyone. They had now to sit with all the black people in the balcony. I cannot imagine what that must have felt like to have earned your freedom, to have seen and supported a revolution that threw off the tyranny of England, and now to have your church tell you, you are not equal. You can be here, but you have to be up there with everybody else like you. 
he and Richard looked at everyone in uh, the black community that was there and they turned around and they left. They walked out almost every single person. They created their own church. Now, once again, Richard Allen was more of a Methodist. Richard Allen goes on to create the African Methodist Episcopal Church. So if you see any AME church in this country, it is birthed in this moment. It's part of our history as well. Absalom Jones, God bless him, has the courage and the guts to say, I'm sticking with the Episcopal Church. He goes so far in his education and in his advocacy that in 1802, he becomes the first black person ordained in the United States, ordained by William White, our first bishop. Every time I read this story, I am more and more astonished. The same people who were creating this country in the Continental Congress would walk up the street and go to St. John's Episcopal Church in the evening and create our national church structure. And nowhere in that journey did they manage to say, we stand against the institution of slavery and we will not segregate our churches. Knowing this story makes me want to know all the other stories that we don't know, right? This is but one story that only in the past couple of decades has truly been lifted up by our church. What else don't we know about our history? Who else have we not honored? Our reading today from John Jesus, speaking to his disciples, is talking about love, is calling them equals, is telling them of the love available to them and within them through God, and says, no one has any greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Most of us here are not called upon to do that, right? Either for our faith or in our work. There are certainly those in our military, first responders, that have that as part of who they might be called to be. But most of us here live fairly cosseted lives. I wonder, what in our life are we being called to lay down so that others might live and thrive as we want to? Who is our neighbor who we forget, who we ignore? Who is the child in our community who should be educated, loved, and treated like our child? Why do we continue to live lives of, I would say, curated ignorance? We choose what we don't want to know about. When I read about Absalom Jones, it makes me want to know more. 
it makes me want to dig deeper and to challenge those things that have always been there under the surface or right in front of our face. Friends, I learned racism in Sunday school. I say that with great pain in my heart because one of my Sunday school teachers did a story one Sunday about how black birds go with black birds and blue birds go with blue birds and red birds go with red birds. Now I was too young to say, and where is that in the Bible? <laughs> right? But as I remember these things, religion and racism have gone hand in hand from the beginning. And it is beholden to us to tease those things out, to recognize where it has been part of who we are, and to reject the lies, and to advocate on behalf of all. We have tonight, and forgive me, I know this is a little bit trifling when you think about what we're talking about today, we have tonight a big American thing that's happening. <laughs> Two black men are facing one another as quarterbacks for the first time in Super Bowl history. I grew up with men in my family saying that could never be because black men were not smart enough to be quarterbacks, right? Thanks be to God, we are being disabused of those things. But there are still places, there are still communities where inequality and white supremacy is being preached right alongside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must speak out. We must advocate. The first thing, though, that we must do is we must learn, we must pray, we must engage, we must follow those leaders who are teaching us today about our true history and dig deeper for the sake of those who come after us, for the sake of our own lives. Let's not whitewash the Episcopal Church's history or the very gospel that we love. After all, all of us gather every Sunday to worship a man with brown skin who would be, in this day and age, in a lot of places, profiled. Let's remember that. Let's use that as a motivation to recognize what we don't know and change that every day. Amen.